This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company and all their associated subsidiaries, Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Disney Toon Studios. We kind of cover it all here on the Disney Film Project podcast. I am Ryan Kilpatrick, host of this program, and along with these folks, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find the show notes for this show. You can find blogs about DVD and Blu-ray reviews. You can find historic shorts and films, all kinds of great stuff. So make sure you are checking out all the great content over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me as always, we have our film experts. We have, first of all, Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is... Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He works at OnTheGo in MCO.com, and I like to refer to him as our gyro gear loose. Yeah, that's a good – I like that. I can live with that. Yeah? You think yeah. so? Yeah. Okay. And, of course, also joining us, we have Miss Brianna Alessio, who you can find over at Adventures of Brie at AdventuresOfBrie.blogspot.com. I like to refer to her as our Magica Dispel. Oh, I like that. Wow, I'm two for two. This is awesome. This is a lot of pressure. This is a lot of pressure for me to get to get Cheryl's intro right now. Because I I, I have Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find at about.me slash Cheryl P three, or you can find her on Twitter at Cheryl P three. She is the fine producer of this program, the person that, that keeps everything together. And, and I was debating, but is, is she miss, more like Mrs. Beakley, like keeping us all in line? Or is she like Launchpad McQuack getting us where we need to go? I think she's sort of a, a hybrid of the two. I don't know. Which one would you accept, Cheryl? I'd rather be the little girl. Webby? You would be Webby? I would rather be Webby. Okay. We can take that. I, I, I'll t- I, I personally have reserved for myself the Darkwing Duck, just so we're clear. <laughs> but he's not in this movie. He's not in the movie, but he's in DuckTales, and that's okay. Well, Gyro Gearloose wasn't in the movie either, so. Yes. Uh, so if you couldn't tell, we are talking about the one and only feature film of DuckTales. Woo! Thank you, Todd. Uh, the Treasure of the Lost Lamp. So for those of you who are not familiar with DuckTales, uh, Carl Barks, thank you, or any of those sorts of things, we're going to talk about all that great stuff and talk about the amazing Disney television animated series DuckTales. Thank you. So for those of you, for, first of all, for the theme song, uh, if, for those of you who don't know what DuckTales is, woo it is a animated show that was on the uh, Disney syndicated afternoon shows uh, for many, many moons. A hundred episodes produced, 65 of them in the first season, which are now available streaming at Amazon Instant Video for free yes. if you're an Amazon Prime member. Yes. I will be 
taking advantage of that. I, I, I said to Cheryl, I wonder if, if it's here because I really, no offense, I'm going to just say it up front, I really felt the need to cleanse myself with some actual episodes after watching this. Uh, yes, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Like, <laughs> yes, uh, but we will, we will talk about that. I think I think we probably will actually talk more about the the TV show <laughs> than the movie, but we'll, we'll see. But uh, it is a huge. It was a hugely successful show for Disney, and we'll talk a little bit about where it came from and all that sort of thing. But uh, the theme song of the show is is very famous. For every time they say the word Ducktales, Woo. somebody then does that right there. So as we were discussing before the show, it is sort of a universal constant. That's what you have to do when you say it. So. Sorry for those of you who will get extremely annoyed by us doing that throughout the entire show. So before before we talk about the movie, I think we, we have to take a trip back in time to talk about where the movie came from and some of the, the great stuff that, that led up into the television show and, and all the things before that it did. Before we do that, let's up to, let, let's up to doing why we're doing this podcast. This episode. This episode. Yes. Sure. Go for because it. Because that was not – that was unclear Todd. And he's yes. like, why in the heck? I'm like, Ryan put it on this calendar. I'm sure yes. he had a reason. And so there we – so we'll start with that. So what's the reason? The reason? Yeah. I wanted to talk about DuckTales. Oh, that's really it? Because I know – aren't they like releasing a remastered one? It's scheduled for Blu-ray. Yeah, so there is a... Oh, there's a there, video game, that's what it is. Yes, there is a video game of, of DuckTales that is coming out. It's actually a remastered version of the original game. And the other reason is that for many, 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 many moons, this film was a Disney Movie Club exclusive. So as recently as two years ago, I went to try and find the film, not remembering that it wasn't as good as the TV show. And it was selling for upwards of fifty or sixty dollars for the DVD on eBay. Wow! And so when I was putting the schedule together for this year of movies that we wanted to review, and saw that it was now available for streaming on Amazon Instant Video for the low price of two dollars and ninety nine cents, I said, "Well, we better snatch it while we can because it may disappear yet again into the Disney Vault." Yeah, but this talking was about vaults. Okay, go. Can we talk about the vault they, rec- they recreated over in California? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you guys know this? No, no, not at all. All right, so there's this place called the I Am 8-Bit Gallery where they uh, take very nostalgic things and they try and recreate the moment. And one of their exhibits, which, I'm, which they just recently had, but I'm not sure if it's still there or not. That's not clear to me. Um, it's a gallery so in Los Angeles. before you go, folks. That's what we're saying. We're saying... Call the gallery. Go look on the Google. Find the gallery's phone number. Call them. Also, just, don't know how much it costs. Don't just expect- show up and say we sent you. That's not going to work. Yes, and don't blame us if it's not there. Um, so what they actually did was they rebuilt the – I think he calls it the bin, right? Not the vault. Right? Isn't that what yes, he – he, he right? calls it the money bin, but it's, it's a giant right. vault. Okay. So, so um, Scrooge McDuck calls it the money bin. So they recreated the money bin, okay – as a uh, with a diving board and everything, it's not real money. It's uh, like you know stuffed pillows and stuff like that. But you can actually get up on the diving board and dive in. And That's all the pillows, amazing. And they all look like the gold coins with his head on it. 
Can I do that? I want to do that. That's why. That's why I think we should. That's why I think they should put maybe in Disney's Hollywood Studios while we're waiting for rumored Star Wars Land, Muppet Land, Radiator Spring Racer Land. We have that empty set that's right there next where they used to have the old shopping for Star Wars. Yes. Well, they've missed out on DuckTales for years. We could could put it there. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the only place place I've ever really seen the characters is at Animal Kingdom. Well, we saw, don't forget, we saw them for Long Lost Friends Week. Oh, we did. You are correct. I had forgotten. And there's a video of um, Scrooge actually going in. In looking for Disney dollars at the um, at guest relations, and I've have seen Scrooge before at Mickey's very merry Christmas party. Actually, no, not I, I, I want to say like four or five years ago, I saw that. Rightfully so. Yeah, but but he is definitely a rare character. Uh, used to be out quite a bit when when the show was on television. Launchpad still is out these days. Yeah, like you said, Animal Kingdom is where you almost always see it. Yeah, Launchpad is usually always still out. I'm still waiting for the Darkwing Duck meet and greet, which I understand they did have at some point during Long Lost Friends, Um, right? Yes, they did. That's what we were just talking about. Also, also you see him when you run the race. Well, at least I remember doing it. Like, I have a picture of me during one of the races with Darkwing Duck. (sighs) Dude, not not just that. The music was so loud for Darkwing Duck that you could literally, like, from a quarter mile away, hear the music. Your wife and I saw a fake Darkwing Duck one day at the, at the parks, and we could not keep ourselves from laughing because he looked so awful. I can believe it. You'll have to ask her about that. I, I most definitely will. But, yes, yeah, so the, the sole reason for this is uh, I was a huge fan of the TV show. I am a huge fan of the comic books that were the basis for the TV show. Uh, I was a huge fan, obviously, of Darkwing Duck spinoff. And so this gives us an opportunity to talk about all those things and then this movie. All right. Go for it. Start at the beginning. All right. So so get get in the Wayback Machine. Todd, if you will, crank up the time machine. Thank you, sir. Uh and we'll we'll go back to to the Disney Studio in in the 1940s. So around 1941, 1942 is where where our story begins. Dum uh, dum. With with a man working in animation by the name of Carl Barks. So if you're not familiar with uh, the Disney Studio in the 40s, uh, there was a lot of labor strife. So there was a big there was a big cartoonist strike at the Disney Studio, and what had once been a very familial atmosphere, uh, there was a bunch of new animators that got hired when they ramped up production after Snow White, and they wanted to unionize. So they you know, and Walt didn't have time to go and personally supervise everything like he had done before, and. Uh, it, it caused a whole bunch of strife. There's a lot of Disney history you can read about it, but the the upshot of it is that in the in the mid '40s there was a strike, and so one of the animators that went on strike uh, was Carl Barks, who had worked on many of the Donald Duck series. He he worked on uh, cartoons like Donald's Nephews, uh, which introduced Huey, Dewey, and Louie, uh, Donald's cousin Gus, Mr. Duck Steps Out, Timber. Uh, many, many other Donald Duck shorts. In my opinion, the best of the Donald Duck cartoons worked on by Carl Barks. And so when he quit, he began working with uh, 
a comic book company on in Dell called Dell Comics and started working on Donald Duck comic books, which he would do for the next forty-five to fifty years, depending on when you define his official retirement. Right, and I think we pointed out in um, the episode of the original Shaggy Dog that um, the kid who Bucci plays, I never remember his name, uh, he is actually at one point in time reading one of the Uncle Scrooge comic books. Because yes. they, they Because that happened a lot, because there was a deal where Disney would always take their movies and hand them over to Dell at some point to do a comic. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, Dell and then Gold Key. So the Uncle Scrooge comics bounced around between different companies. Uh, all, all kinds of different th- places, but uh, Carl Barks basically created this entire world around Donald Duck. So he created uh, all these characters that ended up populating um, Duckburg, the city, which he introduced in the, in the cartoons. So I can't remember which cartoon it was uh, that, that that's in. I want to say it's the Donald's cousin Gus, where he starts with Duckburg, but it's in one of the cartoons and then he carried it over to the comics and he created all these characters like Scrooge McDuck, uh, the Beagle Boys, the Junior Woodchucks that Huey, Dewey, and Louie become members of, sort of a junior scouting organization, Gyro Gear Loose, uh, Magicka Dispel, Cornelius Coot, all kinds of characters. But not uh, Launchpad, right? Launchpad he did was not the original for the series, yeah. That's correct. As was Darkwing Duck. Yep. Uh, but yes, yeah, so the, so these comics were hugely popular and influential. So the just one example of many, many, many. The boulder scene from Indiana Jones at the very beginning of the movie was taken almost shot for shot from a Donald Duck comic by Carl Barks, and yes. Spielberg and Lucas like acknowledged that that's what it was, and they were actually paying homage to that. Uh, the the issue is that story is actually called the Seven Cities of Cibola. There you go. I don't know. I don't remember what issue it's in or any of that sort of thing. But no, that's but that's that's the title of the story that it's in. So yeah, um, it's also why uh, the movie itself, um, why they they kind of play back at all that, and so that's why the logo on the uh, movie was actually designed to look like the Raiders of the Lost Ark poster and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So there's also um uh, a family tree. Uh, at um, the site called The Duck Man, yes, Rosa, um, and we'll put the we'll put the link in the show notes, and it has mostly all of Donald's family tree. Yeah, you yeah. should email it. Email me, email me that for sure, Cheryl. I'll get that into the notes. Yeah, it's great. Um, Don Rosa is one of the artists who came out after Carl Barks to work on all the Disney comics, and he set out the very difficult task of making all of Barks' comics make sense into some sort of continuity. Uh, and he cre- and he created a really hugely award-winning series about the life and times of Scrooge McDuck, which was a big influence on Ducktales as well as Carl Barks. But yes, most most anybody who's worked in comics since Barks worked in comics acknowledges that like he set the bar for adventure stories. I mean, that was his whole thing is he used Donald and his nephews in a lot of comedic stories. But then also Uncle Scrooge was like a, an adventurer and that's what he created him for. And it was, you know, how he got all of his uh, his money was through all these different adventures that he took. And then Don Rosa took all of those and made them into some coherent story uh, and, and made a huge success of that. 
but yeah, there's all kinds of people who who owe their their livelihood to to Karl Barks. Lots of lots of cool stuff that, that that he was an influence on. Did you know, Todd? The first image ever on a Mac was a scan of Scrooge McDuck. I did not know that, but that's pretty cool. It was indeed. All kind of, yeah. There's there's all kinds of cool stuff. If you just Google Carl Barks, I mean, I I could spend the rest of the, the the show talking about him, but I will not do that. Um, but if you just Google Carl Barks, and if you want to read some of his stuff, um, if you will go check out Fantagraphics, they are republishing in the entirety of his work in um, albums, basically hardcover albums that are I want to say about twenty nine ninety five or so, uh, and they do about two a year, one Donald Duck and one Scrooge McDuck every year. Very cool. Very nice reproductions, about 200 pages of comics, which for a Carl Barks story, 200 pages of comics is going to take you about three hours to read (laughs) because they're very dense. And then about uh, 50 pages of supplemental material about the history of of what he does and all that sort of thing. All right. So flash forward to 1987 and the Disney company under the reign of uh, Frank Wells and Michael Eisner is looking for ways to exploit – or, or use some of their intellectual property, and they decide to go into syndicated television animation. So you probably saw cheaper. some of their – Yes. <laughs> so back in 1985, they did uh, the Wuzzles, and they did the Gummy Bears, which you can still find some Gummy Bears t-shirts in the parks every now and then. You can, yeah. Downtown Disney. Yep. Uh, but DuckTales was them making a conscious decision to spend more money, do do better animation, and try to make something that would be you know a little bigger and better. And they they went to the Carl Barks comics for the inspiration and created probably their most successful uh, television show, I would say, of any that they've done. I think it's also important to note that um, what. Disney Channel is today where it's mostly animated where, – where there's a lot of animated stuff, right? Whereas back then it was new to the, to the television stations to have uh, this, the level of animation because coming out of the 80s and 70s, which is considered like the silver age of animation, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, there was a real lull on television animation-wise for a few years there at the late 80s. And then they kicked it back up and basically – the success of DuckTales is why you have so much animation on the Disney channels today, you know, whole channels dedicated to it and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and because of, because of DuckTales, you got stuff like Chippendale rescue Rangers. And then, you know, Darkwing duck that we've talked about was a spinoff of DuckTales. You had tailspin, which was goof troop, you know, tailspin was basically a spinoff of DuckTales. Just they renamed the characters. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this was a hugely successful show. I mean, syndicated across tons of of stations, you know. I I I watched it. I was, you know, 12 11 12 10, 10 11 12 when it came out basically. Um watched it all the time. Uh, I would imagine Todd you probably watched it. Yeah, I, I granted I was in college, but yes, we watched it. But th- that's the thing about the TV show, and notice I will make a separation between the TV show and the movie, is that the TV show works for you know for younger viewers, for for high school, college age viewers. It, it works for everybody. So I, I think we can recommend you know if you have Amazon Prime, go go check out the TV show for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I say definitely. Yeah. But it, it's all it, – the, the whole show, the premise was based around Scrooge McDuck and his nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Um, Donald goes and joins the Navy. Yep. Finally fulfilling the promise of his sailor suit he's been wearing for like 50 years. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. And the whole the whole show is basically based around Scrooge and his money bin, which he likes to swim and dive around in, and keeping it or his number one dime, the first dime that he ever earned, from being stolen by a variety of folks like the Beagle Boys and Magicka Dispel, as well as many, many, many others. There's uh, Flintheart Glomgold, who's always trying to become the richest duck in the world and unseat Scrooge McDuck. There's, you know, lots of other different things going on and, mm-hmm. and lots of different characters, but that's the basics. And I mean, it, it was chock full of references to all kinds of different things. I mean, you know, James Bond, Shakespeare, um, you know, they, they time travel, they do all kinds of stuff in the show. So it, it's, it's just a, a crazy thing to see. Yeah, they do. They do time travel. So so good. I, I wish people would familiarize themselves with it who haven't seen any episodes. They're just oh, they're so fun. Absolutely, they are. So Disney at this time is is you know the show ran for sixty five episodes of the first season, then they produced a few more. Um, sixty five is basically what they can do so that they can strip it and run it five days a week. And then they produced a few more just to kind of mix it in and and do a few more. And they decided then to do a feature film. So released in August of 1990 was DuckTales the movie Treasure of the Lost Lamp. And this comes from Disney Toon Studios from overseas in uh, in Paris as well as uh, France and and, in Australia. Yeah. And this was the time when they were doing all kinds of, of Disney Toon movies. Like you may remember Doug the movie or, yeah. or things like that. But this but the this France studio was created specifically for this movie. Yes, with with, with the goal though of doing these other. No, 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 no. Movies. Some of them had already been out because I think Doug was done by a different studio, at the time, and things like that. Yeah, but but they had they the the France studio they wanted to do more of these. They did. Uh, and not so much. The box office for this was uh, around eighteen million dollars, and it made you know made decent money, it made more than made its budget back of two million dollars. But Disney was shooting for you know the big bucks. They they thought this based on the popularity of the TV show, they thought this was going to be you know a huge success. Yeah. Well, it opened against Problem Child, which was I think the number one movie that weekend, right? Yes, I think that's right. I think the other problem is the animation quality. That is a problem. It is. I mean, here's the thing. If you were a fan and you were going in to see this movie, I don't think you necessarily got out of it what you expected. No, no, not at all. One one of the big problems that this suffers from is that um, when you do things like animation, in the United States, when they do animation, we do it at 30 frames per second. Overseas, they do it at 24 frames per second, and it really shows in this. I mean, it's it's very oh, definitely it's very painful for someone who's used to watching American animated series to watch because it looks completely choppy the whole time. As a result, yeah, I mean, the quality is. I, I remember when we talked about um, Hunchback Two, yeah, and we did that movie. It's it's on par with that, which I believe we all panned the animation quality in that one. Yeah. Uh, so it and it's so it's nowhere near the level of the TV show, 
Right. And, and as a result of its poor performance, uh, the Chippendales Rescues Rangers movie was canceled. Um, the go- what was supposed to be the Goof Troop movie became just a Goofy movie, and I believe that's the only other actual in the theater film that this uh, group made, right? Uh, correct. I don't know if they did a very goofy sequel or whichever, whatever it was called. Yeah. I do want to say, though, I did find some Star Wars Avengers references. All right. Oh, there, yeah, there's, there's linkage all up in this one, Cheryl. But um, I'll start with the voices that I have. I have Terrence McGovern, who was at Launchpad, um, actually did voices in some of the Star Wars video games. Then I have Charles Adler does the voice of Modok in the upcoming Marvel um, Phineas and Ferb crossover. And who does he do in this? He does additional voices. Oh, okay. Most of these guys are just additional voices, unfortunately for me. <laughs> That's and fine. And then I have um, Jack Angel who also did additional voices um, in... He's done many additional voices in many of the um, Toy Story, Monsters, game, Monsters, um, Aladdin. He also has done Nick Fury. I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. He, in the Spider-Man, in one of the Spider-Man ones. But, um, and he's also done Bugs, Bugs Life. So, so we, so we do have some. Voice actors there to help us, but unfortunately they didn't help the ratings of the movie. <laughs> but, yeah, I but, but I think those animators needed some help from Pixar. They, they needed some help from somebody. Now, it's it's kind of funny, though, that um, – and I don't put a lot of stock into overall critical ratings, um, but on Rotten Tomatoes, this is certified as 86% fresh. Yeah, I saw that. I That was a little shocking. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they were rating that or the show and got confused. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. But, well, there is a show with the exact same title. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the episode, remember you found? Oh, no, it's not the same title. I, I'll, get to that okay. a, I'll get to that in a second. Um, that's, that's jumping my gun, so to speak. Part of the reason, though, why this is, is, isn't great animation is that uh, all the guys at this studio were – completely green animators. I don't know if you realize that, but when it started... No. Yeah, when, when it started, these were not people who had worked on anything else before. They were coming from school or maybe just like some minor shorts and stuff like that. And so that's why uh, everything is... You got that very over-exaggerated thing that you know new animators or new comic book artists have the same problem is they tend to overdo everything because they don't realize that they can you know keep it simple. Wow. So I think that's part of the reason why this suffers. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Makes sense. It's 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 just interesting because you know I, I think you can probably tell just from listening. All of us have a, a, a good affection for the show itself and and what was done with the show, and then even the pedigree of folks who are working on the film. It is really, really good. Um, Alan Burnett wrote the screenplay, and you probably don't know his name. But if you watch any sort of uh, animation these days, you've probably seen some of his stuff. I mean, all the the DC Comics direct-to-video um, films, Alan Burnett is a co-producer of those. He worked on Batman the Animated Series, which is probably the one of the best animated series 
of Ever. the last what thirty years? <laughs> Ever, I think it's a fair statement. I mean, he went he went from Ducktales to that. So, yeah. <laughs> two two of the biggest you know animated series ever, and then has worked on all of the you know the DC comic series since then, uh, and all of like I said, their direct to video uh, animated films. So I mean, you've probably seen his work even if you didn't know it, uh, and it's all very good. Wow. Uh, and he was the person responsible for actually giving Darkwing Duck his name, for which I'll be forever grateful. Right. <laughs> Nice. Um, now, to get into what Cheryl was uh, asking about before was that it, um, some of the elements of this in this movie do come from the series, and like and obviously the Karl Barks comics as well directly. Um, for for example, this I want to say this because I think that the people who worked on this were fans. Absolutely. That's, okay. Because one of the big things that they use stole took a lot of stuff from is there's an episode that does in fact involve time travel by the way uh called master of the genie where uh glomgold and scrooge both are fight over aladdin's lamp and then they have to have a battle to see who becomes master because what happens is that they both manage to rub the lamp at the same time when the and then the genie comes out so the genie doesn't know who the master actually is i don't know if you remember this episode uh I, I don't remember the episode. Dude, it's been years. I've been trying to buy that. Since they got the DVDs came out, I've, I've, I've kind of hinted at them for Christmas every year, and I haven't gotten it yet. But now that they're on, uh, now I'm glad I didn't because now I can just stream them anytime I want. But it's important to note, though, that uh, this one episode is better than this entire movie. That's not surprising. <laughs> well, I didn't like the fact that the genie was evil in the episode that we're talking about. That's, that is, you're right. The That's genie was the one not a nice thing guy. I that's the one thing I didn't like, is that Genie had his own agenda. Which kind of, I liked the fact that there was a bad guy, the bad guy was controlling the Genie, yet the Genie wanted to get away in this one. Well, Genies always want to get away. But... No, 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 no. That that actually, uh, it's important to mention that, that that actually is in this movie, is in the movie itself, and that actually goes all the way back to the story by Scheherazade, you know, of Aladdin. Okay, where uh, the where one of the things that Aladdin himself does is he frees one of the genies, Ooh. right? So that so a lot of things that pay homage back to Aladdin, like the movie, like this particular episode, always work towards freeing the genie. Of course, that didn't happen in the particular episode that we're talking about, but we can skip over that. True enough. Well, it kind of All happened right. in the well, it happened in the movie. It happened in the movie, yes. That's what I was getting. Yes. At. Yeah. So let's let's start talking about the movie because this is a movie that I think, and correct me if you guys disagree, is sort of overburdened with plot, with something that should be very very simple. Yeah, like, I, I agree with that. Well, I think the problem is that each character or set of characters has their own plot. That's probably and, true. And they so, they didn't and, focus. And so there's too many. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And and for somebody who, like me, like I said, had not watched the show in years, and even though I had a very good familiarity with the show, and I knew – I mean, Scrooge, Huey, Dewey, Louie, Launchpad, I knew those characters you know, immediately. 
they throw a lot at you in the very beginning of the film with the assumption that everyone who's gone to see this in the theater has seen the TV show. Because there is no exposition of who the characters are, no setup, none of that. It's just, let's go. We're in a plane, and we are flying, and Scrooge McDuck, Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby are flying to, to Egypt with Launchpad McQuack. Yes. And we're not really even given their names. No, that's that's true. None of these na- names are once again the, that old problem that dis- that older Disney movies tend to have is they never introduce the names until much later in the movie, if at all. And ready for this, Webby is not even related to any of them, any of the boys. No, no, no. She is uh, Scrooge's housekeeper's uh, granddaughter, I think. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's just bleakly. Yep. But but we're not told any of that. No, we're not. In the entire movie, which if you saw the show again, like I'm assuming that they like I said, they they expected that, hey, this is the show. People who are coming here have seen several episodes of the show because in the midnight, in the you know late 80s and 1990, you probably had. Uh, but coming to it cold like this, it, it doesn't it's it's kind of jarring almost the way that they throw you into things. Yes. Also, no Beagle Boys. Which I did not remember, even though I had seen this before. And that's a big downer. Well, I kind of thought the three guys in the beginning were supposed to be the Beagle Boys. But I, I think sure. they were. Tr- I think you were right. They were trying to make them appear to be, but they definitely were not. Correct. Yeah, no magic and dispel. My favorite. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's interesting. So one of the things is, is um, they create a whole new villain for this, and we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, but the reason why they did that is because they wanted to create a whole new villain that was just like what they felt a step above all the other villains in terms of just sheer evilness. Yes. Right? And I say that because one of the, one of the funny parts of uh, the original DuckTales is that none of the bad guys are really – evil they're all just kind of nebishes very true they're what nebishes what is that um it, it, uh, incompetent bumbling okay they don't actually get anything done right it's not until darkwing duck comes around that bad guys actually get bad okay i think i think that's a in duckburg i think that's a fair way to put it right yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Darkwing Duck faces the bad villains. Scrooge is much more the the terrors that Scrooge and the nephews face are much more benign. And it's stuff like you know things are falling and they have to run away from the things that are falling. Not evil people are trying to shoot at them or things like that. Correct. Right. So they crash land in Egypt with Launchpad, as Launchpad is want to do. Sort of his thing. And they meet up with Dijon the Weasel, who guides them through uh, to see this uh, chest that they have they have brought up. And Scrooge has been chasing, apparently, for many, many moons, the treasure of Kali Baba. Because everything has to have a animal name. Yes. Because it's Duckburg. Now, now Dijon and, actually comes from the series prior, too. Oh, see, I didn't remember this. Yeah, he's he's in a one episode of the original okay. of, the, of the original series uh, called "The Golden Goose," 
So and he's actually he's actually a lifted character. He's not new for this movie. Got it. Okay. So they open the chest and it's all a bunch of you know clothes and robes and things. And Scrooge is getting all upset until one of the boys finds a scroll in one of the robes, opens it up, and it turns out that it is a map. So Scrooge and Launchpad and the, the crew, along with Dijon, go to find uh, where the map leads. They, they kind of can't find anything. Launchpad stumbles over this uh, this sort of triangular-shaped thing and turns out to be the tip of a pyramid, which between the six of them, they unearth an entire pyramid, which is buried all the way to the tip in about a minute and a half. So this is actually comes from one of the comic books, this scene. It's a direct lift, like tripping over the top of the pyramid and then digging up the whole pyramid? Yes. Uh, it's, it's from the story Pyramid Shame. There we go. So, yes, they enter the pyramid, and as you might expect, it is, you know, Indiana Jones-esque booby traps and those sorts of things. And I guess I should say Carl Barks-esque because that's where all that stuff came from. Uh, because they have booby traps, like, and the boys are using like marbles to trip the booby traps. So there's like a mace that shoots out of the wall, and you know, stones that fall and things like this. Very similar to things that Scrooge has in his vault, actually, at, towards the end of the movie. Yes, good point. And they end up finding the treasure of Kali Baba. Uh, which is on you – know, you have to cross a rope bridge and get to this pillar, basically, that's standing in the middle of the room, and there's the treasure sitting there. And so they go over to start grabbing the treasure, and on top of it is a lamp. And so Dijon, who we find has been working for a, a wizard called Murloc, voiced by Christopher Lloyd of Clue fame. I mean, sure, he did that Back to the Future stuff, too, but, I mean, Clue is where we really know him from. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Betsy pulled uh, the car back on the road. <laughs> yes, uh, but Murloc is, is like a wizard who's been trying to get this lamp. So I think we all know where this is going, right? Uh, so Webby grabs the lamp before Dijon can get it, and Scrooge allows her to keep it as long as she trades in her tiara that she was going to keep. Because, you know, Scrooge is – that's one of the things you got to admire about Scrooge is, like, he is altruistic, but for the most part, he's all about the money. He's pretty true to himself. Uh, yeah, about the only thing those words have in common is all. Yeah, True. Well, okay, so he's all about the money, but he's not going to hurt people to get it. How about that? I agree with that. All right. And they didn't soften any of those edges in the show or the movie, which I like. No, it's 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 great. I mean, it's, his character is really one of the best uh, brought-to-life characters ever, so... I agree. Well, and we, you have to credit Alan Young, which we met, we, we mentioned um, in, in other podcasts. I can't remember which, what voice he did in another podcast, but he did the voice of Scrooge McDuck all the time, the entire time of the series in Mickey's Christmas Carol, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, he did the voice of Scrooge McDuck. All so. I can ever remember is that he's um, Wilbur from Mr. Ed. It's, my, it's a curse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the 1960s time film. Oh yeah, we see we had this exact same conversation before. Yeah, I think we did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he did this accent in another I think oh, it was in uh, Great Mouse Detective. 
he did he did this exact same voice in Great Mouse Detective. That's what it was. He was the uh, Mr. Flavisham, right? Yes, I believe you're correct. Yeah, without going to look. So uh, they start bagging up the entire treasure, and they're starting to walk out when Murloc appears and manages to snatch uh, the treasure, uh, the bag, not knowing that Webby still has the lamp. And Scrooge tries to get the treasure back, but you know Murloc burns the bridge, and down below them are scorpions that are the size of crocodiles that are hybrids with crocodiles. I'm not really sure. There's like scorpions and crocodiles involved. They're from an I'm episode getting. of Doctor Who, I'm pretty convinced. <laughs> Speaking of time travel, yes, indeed. But uh, they, the the Scrooge and and friends and the nephews, they managed to avoid the scorpions. The one of the scorpions punched. They, there's like the treasure was in like a bowl, so the the pillar moves to the bottom. They turn it over and use it like a turtle shell. Then they go out and turn it over and use it like a boat. Very resourceful these junior woodchucks, uh, and they managed to escape. Unfortunately, though, Murloc and Dijon outside, they have all the treasure, but they don't have the lamp. So Murloc sends Dijon after the lamp. Murloc goes to find the lamp. And Scrooge is upset because he, he loses the uh, – he's lost the treasure. Webby's like, hey, well, you know, you can use my lamp. You can have my lamp. That's at least part of it. And he's like, no, I can't take that from you. Um, so they, they finally manage to go back to Duckburg. And – this is where the fun begins because Webby and the boys find out that the lamp actually contains a genie. And since there were all four of them were playing with the lamp, uh, they can, he will grant them three wishes each. And everything goes to that very warm place in a wicker basket. <laughs> <laughs> wishes and kids get a little weird. So, so Webby's first wish is for a baby elephant. I, uh, <laughs> I just love Bree's exasperation. Like, like, what are you doing, kid? <laughs> I just want to shake his shoulders. Like, seriously, consider this. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. She, she, she asks for a, a baby elephant. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't understand, but that's what that's what they did. So they're being far too greedy throughout this. They're getting it from schools, right? I mean, we we start to learn though that um, even though this is a movie about the treasure and the ducks and everything like that, is the genie very quickly starts to hint enough into his backstory that he starts to become a major player in the movie very quickly from his from the point in time that he shows up. Oh, yeah, very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah the, he, the genie is voiced by Rip Taylor, we should mention. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, he has a very distinctive voice for people who don't really know, aren't familiar with him, because I think he, I mean, he's passed away now, right? Yes, I believe right, that's Right, yeah, true. I'm pretty sure he has. And, uh, but he was, you know, he was like, somebody who was on Match Game PM and Hollywood Squares in like the 70s and 80s, and so he was a very logical shoe-in for a role like this, to be honest. Because mm. uh, that's what happened. I mean, right, you took, you know, this was, you know, this could be why they ended up using um, Robin Williams in Aladdin, right? For all we know. Because you, yes. you take a comedian, you put him into a into a role, that, and it picks it up. And not he's not as funny as Robin Williams, in my opinion, 
by a long shot. But, uh, but what, what I was getting at is at this point, the genie starts to explain that by making the elephant appear, as he starts to talk about, he has this fear of being put back in the lamp and buried for another century or two. Right? Yes. So he, he's it's, got it's this fear of that. It's the same story as Aladdin. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's basically the same idea, right? Yeah, very similar. I mean, they, they, re- they really tried to live up to it. It's just that, you know... I think they were trying to make it like a mashup of Aladdin and Indiana Jones. I think it really goes back to what Cheryl was saying, is they were trying to do too much and didn't keep it simple enough. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because let's start with, okay, Jijan had the the thing he was working for the evil guy. The evil guy that said he wanted to control the guy back. Sorry, something happened there. (laughs) The, uh, The kids just wanted a new a new. A new guy, someone else to play with, someone new to play with. Hey, that was great. Here's someone else we can play with. Let's have fun with. Um, right. Scrooge was obviously in for the money, and you know, because when is he not? And so, that's and so that's the only one that was like and, true. So there's yeah. like there's like four plots, five plots there, folks. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, and it shows at this. We're only like what twenty minutes into the movie at this point, if that. Yeah, and I mean, there's all kinds of competing priorities. And then Dijon changes his mind and said, "Wait, I don't. I'll, I'll become the master." That's that's later on, but yeah. Yeah, no, but but things just jump all over the place. That's the thing. It's like there's no focus of, you know, what the different, what the different plots are going to be about. You know what I mean? So I mean, it goes from this part of the movie, and the pacing is off, right? Because this part of the movie where the kids are playing with the genie. Like, we don't see Dijon and Murloc for probably 15, 20 minutes, and they're supposed to be the main villains of the piece. Because the kids are sitting there wishing for giant ice cream sundaes and baby elephants. And playing and with the – although she did something I, I think your daughter would wish for, all of her stuffed animals to come alive and do a tea party with her. Yes, my, my daughter would do that. She would completely do that. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's it's all these things of, like, you know, they're wishing for for all these different things that you would expect kids to do, but that's not necessarily the interesting part of the story, right? It's one of those things that I guess you could show, but they spend a lot of time in there, and then, you know, they come home, and one of the kids has to wish that, you know, Uncle Scrooge would be good and nice to them because, you know, he's upset because they've stayed out all day, Um because they're trying to hide they, the fact that Genie is there. Yeah, and they pass they pass the Genie off as a kid named Gene and say, "Hey, he's going to spend the night with us and that sort of a thing." And so then Genie tells the story to the boys, like Todd was saying about this wicked master of his called Murloc, because he sees an owl outside and he thinks Murloc is an owl because Murloc can change into animals. He touches his little talisman and he turns into eagle or rat or whatever. Uh, and we we hear about Murloc making the genie grant these horrible wishes, and the one, first one was that Murloc would live forever. Right, yeah. And so he's concerned that Murloc is still around and still looking for him, which, well, guess what? Surprise, yes. surprise, it's true. We already know this. Yes. yes. And so Murloc's been looking for the lamp you know, ever since. He has that talisman that, that helps him change 
uh, change into different forms. And some, for some reason, if he takes the talisman and the lamp and puts it together, he gets unlimited wishes. They don't ever explain that part. Just cause. They just tell you. Yeah. It just happens just, that way. Yeah. Yeah. Just that's the way it is. Because Stone Cold said so, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the the last straw in the whole wishing is that Webby has one wish, and I believe it's Louie has one wish left. Uh, Webby uses hers, as Cheryl said, to get all of her uh, stuffed animals to come to life to have a tea party. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dijon is sneaking in to the the mansion and Murloc is sneaking into the mansion as a rat. And so all the stuffed animals come to life and are like chasing everyone around the house. Uh, the stuffed tiger eats Murloc the rat. And it's up to Louie to use his last wish to wish that all of this never happened and put everything back into order because Scrooge happens upon everyone and they reveal what what gene is that he's actually a genie and scrooge then of course takes the lamp and is like aha this is something that i can use to prove that i have found the treasure of kali baba and i can use the genie to make myself the most powerful person in duckburg again being true to his word because he's scrooge and that's the way he rolls yeah well, if, I think if we remember back to the beginning, right, was, weren't the, um, the Explorer Society was asking him what happened to the treasure earlier on in the movie, and he doesn't have it, and now he has an opportunity to have it because that's what he uses a wish for. So, Yeah, yeah. They wanted him to come and appear to the Explorer Society, right? And, and he didn't want to go because you know, he didn't have the treasure, and that was the whole thing as he had gone to do this. So that's one of the things is like Scrooge McDuck – I, I think they should revive the Adventurers Club as as you know with Scrooge McDuck. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, this Explorers Club that he goes to is like was a legitimate thing. Yes, absolutely, it was. Yeah. These these things existed. Watch a lot of TCM like Bree and I, and you'll see lots of movies with Explorers Clubs. Right. Thank you. Let's watch up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right. Fair point. Good point. But yeah, so he takes the he takes the genie to the explorers club, and just as he's about to, you know, he's being very mean to the genie, forcing him to sit in the lamp or, you know, be really small and stay out of the way. And the genie's like, hey, you know, tiny little living space, as Robin Williams put it. Again, they borrow Aladdin in this. A lot of similarities. They were being produced around the same time, so I'm not sure who borrowed from whom. But uh, yeah, at the explorers club, we have. Murloc shows up and sort of just stampedes through the crowd, and the genie manages to save Scrooge. Unfortunately, he drops the lamp with the genie inside it, because the genie puts himself and Scrooge in the lamp up in a, a light fixture, basically, to get to escape from Murloc. And when they escape, and Scrooge gets out, he makes the genie go back in the lamp and tries to run away. He drops the lamp, and Dijon finds it. Like Cheryl said, then he becomes the master of the genie. It, it's all a whole thing with the genie and the passing and back and forth and the wishes and the stuff and the, and the thing and the deal, and it's very tiring. It is. It's exhausting. It's too much. Right. Um, but but uh, the genie is hoping at this point that Dijon will be a weaker master than Murloc, who would otherwise get him. So 
Which doesn't work out so well because it ends up going right back to Murloc. <laughs> because Dijon basically wishes for all of Scrooge McDuck's things, which he has. And it gets Scrooge to go away. Then Scrooge has to sneak back into uh, his own house while Scroo- while the boys uh, sneak into the money bin to try and get the lamp because it's it's crazy. Yeah, after he gets arrested and they have to bail him out of prison, don't forget. Yes. <laughs> like we said, there's a lot going on in this. Oh, and unnecessarily so, right? Like it's you got the genie, you got the like in Aladdin they did it right. You got the genie, you have the protagonist with the wishes, you know, like it should be fine. You know what I'm saying? But it it's not. But yeah, so they have to the boys have to infiltrate the money bin. Uh, Scrooge is trying to get the lamp away from Dijon. Uh, the boys are in the money bin. Murloc manages to take the lamp away as Scrooge steals it from Dijon. Then Murloc steals it from Scrooge, and he turns the money bin into a giant fortress, like a hideous black floating fortress thing. Using his unlimited wishes. Yes, which he puts the little talisman on the lamp and gets his unlimited wishes because he unlocked the magic code of some kind. And yes, there's a giant battle on this thing. Murloc turns into a griffin at some point because Scrooge knocks the lamp over as uh, Murloc wishes that the genie sends Scrooge over the side and Scrooge says, I understand to the genie. Which I thought was odd. Well, I... Well, the genie didn't want to do it, right? No, I understand that. Yeah, so he, you know, he was just telling the genie, "Look, I get that you have to, you have to do what the, your master says, and you know, I'm, I don't hold it against you." So I think yeah. that's what's the reason for it. So yeah, I get it. It's just, it, it just seems odd. <laughs> but yes, uh, the griffin falls. He flies over to rescue the lamp and. Uh, what ends up happening is that Scrooge manages to get the lamp and wishes everyone back to Duckburg and manages to get everyone you know, safe and sound. Murloc apparently falls to his doom, and then uh, Scrooge wishes the genie for his freedom, for Gene to be a real boy, uh, and manages – and then Dijon is finally back. He's When he gets – he had gotten turned into a pig by Murloc and was in the money bin, and as things end, he gets turned back into a human – or a weasel, I should say uh, – and, and tries to – steal all the coins from the money bin and run through town with Scrooge chasing him, yelling my favorite line in the entire film, somebody stop those pants. (laughs) (laughs) Is this your favorite because it's the last line in the film? Uh, It doesn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we don't, this is, this, um, this movie is basically, that's, that's the whole movie, folks, by the way. Um, Yeah. this movie is basically the conclusion to the series, right? Because they don't ever come back to Gene in the series and stuff like that, right? No, no. This is this is it. Yeah. This is the last thing. Which is, which is sad. I mean, because I, I think you can probably tell all four of us really enjoy DuckTales, the TV show. And for this to be the, the, the I don't know, the capper, it just kind of rubs me, rubs me the wrong way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Because when you've watched a show for so long and they make a film of it, 
you ex you have high expectations and to kind of be disappointed like that you know it's kind of a letdown that, that's right because I'm gonna use another example uh, right now that's not Disney but does show that it can be done is uh, if you take the original Transformers cartoon which is a classic cartoon that people really are nostalgic about like DuckTales and then you look at what the movie that they put out for Transformers did for that series to revive it and turn Transformers into something that just goes strong today as uh, movies and um, a theme park attraction and you know on and on and on comic books it's mm -hmm. that's a success and I don't think that while DuckTales people are still nostalgic about it there's really been no DuckTales since this time no so yeah there really, there really hasn't I mean and and that you know, that actually strikes me as quite odd, I'll be honest, because I don't think for, for people who weren't living it back in the, the late 80s, it's hard to realize how big this was. I mean, everybody watched it. It's one of those things. Yep. It's one of those things like I, I wouldn't put it on the level of the Davy Crockett craze, but I mean, everybody watched DuckTales. And Disney did a, a decent amount of stuff with them in, in the theme parks during that time frame. You know, this is around the same time frame that the, the Studios Park was launching in Orlando. And so they did stuff there. And then all of a sudden, like, this movie tanked and they were gone. And that's 23 years ago now. Yeah, sad. And, and they haven't come back to it. No. Mm. I'm all sad. I know, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> All well, right, so let's I'm do hoping... rating. Well, let's get upbeat and let's do ratings and quotes. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm hoping the new video game is their attempt to see if there's a market out there for it, and we'll see when the well, video game comes out. I think that I think I think Disney tied themselves to the wrong video game market, but that's a whole other story for a whole other day. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Uh, all right, so uh, shall we rate? Let's say, uh, Brianna, what do you have to say about Treasure of the Lost Lamp? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much. I'm pretty much just going to reiterate what you guys were saying. You know, it's it's kind of a disappointment compared to the amazing TV show that we're all used to. And um, yeah, I mean, I grew up watching Ducktales. I grew up with three brothers. Mm. They <laughs> Um, they always had it on, so I was always watching, and then I continued to watch it, and, uh, you know, it was such a fun, entertaining show. It was kind of, you know, like having a comfort show when you just relied on, you know, when you needed to, to feel better about something. And um, This, unfortunately, was a disappointment, and I'm going to have to just give it a two. All right. A two from Bree. Cheryl, what would you say? I'm going to second Bree's two. Two for two. Yeah. I'm also saying that this is a disappointment, especially watching that episode of the Lost of the Lamp last night on uh, the other night when Todd's like, "I need to watch the TV show to cleanse my <laughs> cleanse me." I'm like, "Okay, fine. Where you are watching?" He puts on that. It was like, "Whoa, this was a little bit better than the movie." Yeah. Had, had you know, I think, and I think that's what they needed is less plot. And then we, I think we would have been better. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree. All right. So, Todd. Yeah. Um, I pretty much hinted at the beginning. I'm just, if I never see this movie again, I'll be fine. That's kind of how I feel. Um, I 
don't dislike the characters in it. I feel like the characters are pretty much the characters that they are in the show. It's just the plot is not like the plot in the show. It, it lacks the formula of the show, and I think that's part of why the movie suffers. Uh, so for me, it's just a one and a half. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I would stick with you guys and, and put it in as a two because it is – and I think it's because we like DuckTales so much, honestly. I think it might be okay if we didn't have any of that backstory back or you didn't know how good it could be. Um, or if, like me, if you didn't love all the Carl Barks comics and you know I, I read all the, the new albums when they come out. I just – yeah, it just stuck in my craw. It's like, wow, this is not what – you know this movie should or could be, uh, and and like you said, the other thing that, that clinched it for me, Todd, is the animation being so haphazard and so bad. Uh, it just it's not even up to the quality of the TV show, uh, and, and that's that's a shame. So yeah, but yes, Ducktales: Treasure of the Lost Lamp is available. You can go watch it on Amazon Instant Video. Uh, I recommend at, to do as the Perlmutter Clan did, and if you're going to watch the movie. Uh, which I know one of you at least out there is going to do, uh, I recommend you then immediately cleanse your palate with an episode of the original series. All right, so uh, until next week, folks, you want to stay in touch with us and let us know your fond reminiscences of DuckTales, uh, please stay in touch with us at DisneyFilmProject.com. You can go there, read the show notes for this episode. Uh, we will have all kinds of great stuff about uh, DuckTales and all the good stuff that you can find about it. Uh, keep in touch with us as well on Facebook. You can vote now. We are doing a poll for uh, a listener's choice movie for Christmas movies, so make sure you go vote in that. And you can also keep in touch with us. Tweet us when the episode comes out. We are at, at Diz Film Project on Twitter, so make sure you keep in touch with us there. I want to remind people real quick that that poll is ending sooner than you think. Because as I as I that Although we may be in the early months of July here, our recordings are already starting to take place for other months. So that's a reminder out there to to vote early, vote often. You can vote via email. I'll even take, if you want to pre-call in or during the live show, before we start the live show or after the live show, I'll take call-ins. I don't know. You can smoke signal us. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to make sure that everyone knows it's a fair way of getting in touch with us, you don't have to be on Facebook. We'll take your email, folks. We'll take your tweets. Absolutely. All right. So until next week, folks, we'll see you later. Las Vegas must be someplace if Caesar built his palace there. I wouldn't mind doing it again, now that I know you can live through it. If you don't stop crashing, I'll give you the heave-ho. You will be more powerful than... Then locomotive, more faster than speeding bull, you will leap all buildings in a single town. 